if not you with all your abilities are going to go on those noble quests and achieve those high impact moonshot goals like who else is going to do that who else is going to drive society forward oftentimes you don't regret the things that you do you regret the things that you don't do so from the perspective of hey how do i minimize regret you have to have a bias towards action because you're not just going for 10 percent growth you're going for 10 times growth because you think that way you fundamentally have to reinvent the wheel you fundamentally have to start over make your goals huge like to the moon but be realistic with yourself and ask yourself is this something that i actually want or is it something that i think i should want going on everyone alec is still in south africa so today's episode is going to be another video call with him catching up on all his adventures things he's been learning and thinking about while he's been out there let's do it all right what's something cool that happened today today so yeah we went to um the guys took me to visit well i'm gonna have to figure out um what i i think i i'm pretty sure that's the right one um but we'll figure it out but the wurstrecken monument is like the monument uh dedicated to the wurstrecken which in afrikaans um that means it's basically the equivalent of the like pioneer settlers in america like it's very very similar actually like wagon train hmm settlers just moving south from like in everywhere in between like Johannesburg to like Cape Town or something like that someone's probably going to like correct things or wrong or whatever but I shouldn't I think the Wurstrecken um, means I'm going to have to figure this out like something to do with forward polling really and it's and it's associated with like a wagon. It's like having an ox-driven. Oh no, force no Vor Vor Trekker. There we go. Oh, Vor Trekker yeah. monument. So it's like Trekker, Trekker kind of yeah root word there. It's like to to pull, and then Vor something about like from the front or whatever. So like a forward okay. puller, and I guess that has a dual meaning of, you know physically a wagon be pulled from the front by a by a cattle or a bull and also like you know pulling society for it like being a pioneer mm-hmm. you know so that was like um that was a pretty pretty interesting experience it's surprisingly similar to america in terms of the this type of stories and experience that these pioneers like went through like literally it looks the same <laughs> like you wow. basically replace like the native americans and the conflicts with that with zulu and it's ways out almost the same so it's interesting to see like the european like the these causal effects of like european colonialism in some way manifested in two different independent parts of the world in a very similar manner we were and and the same kind of thing with like you know they would have their the like wagon circles uh fighting off the natives and things like that as well like dang it's like a whole it's a whole whole thing 
and so it's interesting to have like a kind of a centralized story around it and like even a monument like dedicated to the pioneers like you know for better or for worse it's a very like respected thing in terms of Afrikaans culture to have those you know to commemorate those people for like getting society to where it is today yeah it's like cowboys and indians but like World Trekker and Zulu. Right on. So, I used to, I haven't learned much about like the history of that place through there, like South Africa, or is it like just that kind of one off little thing? I mean, that was pretty much probably the most history I've learned so far. I mean, today, and I'm probably butchering the whole thing, but this is my <laughs> fresh perspective of it. No, it's yeah. cool. It's fascinating to see the tie in. And it was a little bit to do with some. Like the South African Revolution and how like the gay independence from Britain and things like that. And so there's also like an extension of history there as well. But I don't know as much about that as I probably should at this point. That's good. Well, so you guys are you guys are traveling around a lot. What what places have you been to so far this trip? Yeah, so um, landed in Johannesburg, mostly staying South Johannesburg. Uh, we went out to the River Fowl. V-A-A-L. That was where we had our uh, ritual uh, discomfort adventures retreat. And then since then, um, drove up to Pretoria, which is, as I've been told, like the, the capital, effectively, of South Africa. Um, and then that that's where, like, the Wartenecker Monument is and um, the, like, Union Building, I think is what it's called. It's basically the equivalent of the White House for, like... The prime ministers or whatever it's interesting to see as well like kind of that whole the town because of politically what it is it's like you know you're driving past homes and people are pointing out it's like oh yeah that's like the the swiss embassy it's like oh yeah that's like the french embassy or whatever i'm like oh interesting <laughs> that's cool so after that the guys after the ritual discovery adventure thing that you guys did did you guys mostly stay in that same area, I guess, with that group, or did you guys travel around this group? No, not definitely, definitely not directly as a group. Um, I guess me being the only foreigner, I kind of get passed around a lot, so I've been staying with like one guy in one area, and then literally some people picked me up, just like handed me off as like like a like a commodity. <laughs> like, oh, we're gonna go drive him to Pretoria and like, the American and the American, yes. Um, They've been taking sightseeing around some places today. We had a cool, we went to um, go karting, which it sounds like I'm literally just describing like a vacation at this point, but it was honestly a very complete day in a way, mm -hmm. you know, like from a activity standpoint and also like a, a there's multiple levels of like education. Cause like I didn't mm -hmm. just learn about the history and whatever, but like go karting, like that's something I haven't done that, you know? So it is a very interesting experience to like learn the lessons of, you know, when to step on the gas, when to let go of the gas. And then eventually once you have control of the cars to not even, you don't even need to use the brakes. You can just gun it because you have control of positioning and like, yeah, it sounds stupid to like find these deep lessons in something like go-karting. But I think that's the whole point, right? Is to be able to find the deep lessons in everything, wherever you go. You know, yeah. so I think I learned something today, even from from go party.
That's dope. That's super. It was fun. It was, it was super fun. <laughs> That's it. So where else have you been without believing? When did that um, retreat thing end? So that ended on, on Sunday and we're recording this now on Wednesday. It's yeah. been a few days, right? And, um, you know, like the first day back, I'm, it's pretty much just like a try to reintegrate into society on a day, catch up on some sleep, rest up a little bit, catch up on emails, work, all the logistics and things like that. And then yesterday was a little bit more of that still and then drove out up to Pretoria, you know, got to see a little bit of the nightlife on Tuesday. There was nothing. And then today, get a little more of that full experience and, and try to learn some new things. It was full. What was the yeah, um, the whole retreat thing like? What did you guys do? So that um, could run down a like ritual discomfort adventures. This is an event series that like a good friend of mine has put together. Um, very heavily inspired by the summits series of like entrepreneurial events uh, by created by Elliot Bisnell. And the whole point of it is, is really summed up in the name. It's kind of like a three part thing, like ritualized discomfort adventures, you know? So it's like, you want to have some kind of acknowledgements and respect to bringing ritual and the role it plays into our lives. And the, it's all centralized about how, doing that in, in, in a, or doing the, being uncomfortable in a ritualized way. So it's all about getting out of your comfort zone, doing hard things, and that was manifested through um, place. We did. We had a day where we did jujitsu and boxing, you know. And for a lot of the guys out there, like we, they have like no martial arts experience, so it's like a big step for getting out of your comfort zone. And like even for someone like me who grew up doing that, it still got me out of my comfort zone by, I don't know, like taking it to another level of intensity or doing it in a way that I haven't done in a long time, you know? So like, I still got super winded, super gassed, got to spar and roll with people way better than me and still get my, you know, my head rocked, <laughs> tapped out a few times, you know, like it, it was still really, really good. I think for all levels, yeah. um, ice baths are, 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 were a big deal there. <laughs> so getting, getting shots yeah. out and being uncomfortable there. Yeah. And, um, one of the things too that I, I'm pretty grateful I had the opportunity to do as well was actually, I don't want to call it a speech, but I kind of give like a little bit of a, a talk and a workshop and lead a discussion um, talking about suffering, right? And, mm -hmm. and a lot of the lessons of how to suffer well and the benefits of doing so, right? Sure. Different. What? And it's just, how does that go? Yeah. Yeah, no, it actually went really, really well. I'm, I'm really grateful I was able to make the impacts I think I made um and, and some stuff we've actually talked about on the podcast uh before as well especially um like the story of the buffalo and the cattle that that was like a very big scene and I think that hit pretty hard th that weekend as well because and the whole rest of the weekend it was almost like an inside joke about like you know be a buffalo like jump in that cold water or whatever don't be a cow you know so it was um it, it, it made it up really well. And, and, and I think it's, it's, it made a pretty good impact. So I'm pretty, pretty happy about that. Although it always surprises me kind of like, even in things that you think you understand, there's always more layers. 
right and this is a story that actually one of the one of the guys during the discussion he actually brought up a really really great point that kind of added another layer to my understanding of it so you know the story of the buffalo and the cattle it's always just about how your response or reaction to pain or suffering or an event can influence the extent of that suffering right because it's kind of the idea of like pain is inevitable but suffering is a choice right and pain times your resistance to it is your your measure of suffering right so as long as you you have things and resist the resistance in a way you learn how to suffer really well and you don't have that suffering Mm -hmm. and so the the buffalo and the cattle it's it's all based around the storm like both of them experience the same storm it just depends on different responses the cattle run away from the storm because it's coming towards them and they don't want to get wet so they keep running away they perpetuate their suffering and because they're running in the same direction of the storm they end up staying in there a lot longer so they suffer before the pain even gets there they suffer more during that and it takes them days and days and days to get out of the storm whereas the buffalo they're the immediate opposite response they run right into the storm counteracting that motion and actually just getting through it right away right we so by facing that suffering head on they actually suffer less you know um but the extra layer that i thought was really interesting was um his guy he said like oh yeah like also the buffalo when they're you know running to the storm you're not just running towards the pain you're actually running towards like grass that has already been watered wow whereas the cow the cattle are running away from all that towards grass that has not been watered so it's dry it's dead you know yeah. and i think it's just a, a super interesting layer to this story that has so much in it already yeah. that just really emphasizes the obstacle is the way kind of mentality where it's like you're what you told lies through what you're afraid of you know like what you're afraid of holds everything that you want right and by pursuing and embracing that and going directly in towards that suffering you go to the greener yeah. grass because it's already been watered by the storm yeah that's i mean that goes along with the quote from he's in georgia there right and he's like everything you ever wanted is sitting on the other side of fear that's exactly it and it's just yeah, like the idea that anxiety and fear is well i guess anxiety and fear are two different things but like fear is almost an indication of like this is something it's telling you that this is something that could grow and this is something it's a compass could help you develop a little bit if you're willing to confront that uh I'm and sure. then i guess to your to your point of like the cows running away from it they suffer before they even encounter it like that's anxiety worry yeah about from when you worry you actually suffer twice 100 percent, 100 percent, and say um you know worrying is another way that it's been explained is like pain and death that you don't owe yes you know and, and it's like boom because when you start to worry too much about something it's like you're you're creating an environment in your body and your brain and your yourself of suffering and encountering through basically what you think is the worst case scenario of that thing and it's like but so you're literally doing it twice and worrying is also hindering you from preparing yourself to actually overcome that thing 
because when my percent like afraid of something you become paralyzed and you stop thinking productively and you start just only thinking about how can i avoid that thing or how can i minimize yes the downside rather than how can i now maximize the upside of this opportunity 100 so yeah. like worrying is yeah one of the most unproductive things you can do because you're doing something that is completely although it seems related it's completely unrelated to your well-being and the actual thing that you're trying to look totally. in the first place and the relationship too between like anxiety and actual stress or pain mm -hmm. in a way is interesting as well because you feel more anxiety through avoidance right like you think you're avoiding it which is you're avoiding pain but you actually increase anxiety it doesn't even matter like if if it's something that you, if you don't fix the problem or don't solve it or whatever no matter what that problem is like as long as you're addressing that problem you're not really stressed about it are you because you know you are you have trust that you're capable of handling it and you yeah. know that you'll figure it out as soon as you start addressing it that that anxiety lessens dramatically because you know you're addressing it you know you're running into that storm you know it's going to be over sooner yeah yeah it's hard to be anxious and productive at the same time it's very hard so it's like, like brain only has a limited amount of ram yeah yeah so as long as you're doing the thing, it's hard to worry about the thing. So like, yeah, it's, it's just thing. They're hard to exist at the same time. So it's like, if you lie yourself to worry, you can't really be productive, but if you lie yourself to productive, you're not going to worry. Mm -hmm. Pick a pause. Yeah. man. at the end of the day, it's really just so simple of just like, oh, just do the hard thing. Like if you want to take it back to the midwit meme, it's just doing the hard thing, you know, more Oh, this you. Like you don't need to over overthink it. Don't need to over optimize. You just need to do the hard thing. Yeah, Lauren has said. You are on your way. I even know. We know pressure. You figure it out. I know one one way that's kind of helped me think about that and putting it into perspective. I guess is like you're coming up against something that you're worried about, and that it's a situation that you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. It's like, have you ever experienced that in your life before? That feeling of like, I don't know what's going to happen. There's something I'm very nervous about. And what happened? Are you okay now? You you figured it out. <laughs> figured out a way to pass it now. Like you're gonna be okay. So it's like just totally. put yourself on the other side of that for a second and be like, I know I'm gonna be okay. It's gonna be mm -hmm. okay. I know that I'll find a way to figure it out. And just having that, like almost like you said earlier yeah. with, with the go kart about like knowing when to like let off the gas and almost. Not just accept the idea that this storm is here, but like surrendering your yes. control and the desire to just like manhandle in your situation and like surrender it and just accept the uncontrollable and then focus on what you can control, which is how you respond to that situation and be like, I know I'm going to be able to figure out a way because I've done it every single time I've been faced with something in my life before. I'm okay. So I'm going to be okay with this is just another example. So surrender what you can't control and then just be prepared to figure it out when we there yeah and there, there's an interesting kind of flow chart that I've seen too that you know just kind of was leads you through like how you think about problems like you know like just ask yourself like just yes or no questions like do you have a problem okay like yes or no no okay don't worry about it <laughs> you don't have a problem don't worry about it okay yes you have a problem it's like okay cool you have a problem establish that can you do anything about the problem? Yes. Okay, cool. 
do that thing about the problem, don't worry about it because you're addressing it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Done. Don't worry about it. If you can't do anything about the problems, the answer is no, then don't worry about it. Since you know, so no matter how we, which way you spin it, just don't worry about it. <laughs> Honestly, pretty much. And, and I think the idea to, yeah, man, that kind of idea, it, it keeps you with like a, a positive neutral state, I think, because it's like, well, you know, it's a problem, but I'm not going to worry about it, whatever. But I think you can even bring that up to an actually positive state where you're actively grateful for the problems and grateful for the setbacks or the upsets because you know they're just setups. You know, like I think I've said that kind of line a couple times, but it's so true. Knowing that through that discomfort, through that pain, through that suffering, through that problem that you face, mm-hmm. knowing that you're going to learn from it, knowing that you're actually going to be better on the other side because of it, you get excited about it, mm-hmm. right? Because you just, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what I'm going to do about it, but I know that I will figure it out and I know that I will become a better person because of it. That's exciting because that's the whole point is yeah. understanding that all of your problems are just all of your obstacles are just opportunities to succeed opportunities for growth that's all they are right and and it's just you know I, we've said this quote a few times already but i'm gonna say it again <laughs> from seneca you know a, a man or um no man is more unhappy than he who is not does not face adversity for he is not permitted to prove himself he has no opportunities to serve a higher purpose and to serve his higher purpose and become all he can be right yeah Last year, that's in essence the impact that I, I was grateful to make over the weekend um, at this ritual discomfort at pitchers retreat. I, I, I think kind of what we just talked about sums it up pretty pretty well. Is it's both a stoic, a stoic um, mindset philosophy, and as well as like a Buddhist philosophy, as well as others. Like it comes across everywhere, but kind of finding an overlap between all of them, talking about the same thing of hey. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Learn how to suffer well, and you'll actually suffer less. Yeah. I mean, that, that quote is often spun in other ways, law of like, you know, change is inevitable, growth is optional. It's the exact same mm-hmm. thing. It's just like, hey, yeah, that it's just super I actually like, actually like that quote a lot too, because it kind of neutralizes pain into change. Because pain itself is like, who said it has to be negative? It's not, sure. it's just neutral. It's just is. It's, it's just a change. Bro. It's just a form of change, you know? And so your interpretation of an outcome, your label of it determines your, your emotions and you're giving your power away to the ex- these external labels of an outcome, right? Yeah. Instead of understanding and attaching yourself and like appreciating the process of doing an exploration, experimentation, too often it's decided the actual results is what's rewarded right and i think that's that's kind of a major problem that keeps people or keeps society too in this incremental mindset right where if you're only rewarded for positive outcomes you're only going to do things that are incremental like 10 percent better maybe 20 percent better you know but you don't have to like redesign the wheel and you don't have to take any big risks you're just going to make it better that's a safe way to do it it's incremental you get rewarded for it it's a positive result but it keeps people in this small incremental linear trajectory. Whereas if you really want to make the exponential changes, this kind of like moonshot growth perspectives, you know, like you kind of have to let go of that and accept 
a negative outcome in an experiment and still celebrate it because it got you closer to the right answer. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think like, cause ultimately like outcomes, focusing on outcomes art isn't necessarily inherently bad because ultimately like part of like, no, it's not about out attaching to uh, attachment to outcomes is there. Yeah. yeah, totally. And it's like, because I guess to your point of only desiring a positive outcome is the problem. It's not desiring a positive outcome itself isn't a problem because everybody should want a positive outcome at, at the end of the day like that's what everyone's after but it's like only wanting a positive outcome and being afraid of a negative outcome like right. that's where near attachment like you said like attaching yourself worth to like the positive outcome and if you get a negative outcome like you're not worth anything and mm-hmm. that's where the discrepancy comes in and it's like the po- the negative outcomes are opportunities to stack and get a positive outcome it's like 100% an opportunity it's just all that's so there, there's a couple of perspectives on this that's just kind of reminded me of, especially with how like society rewards positive, favorable results. Like those are the only ones that really seem to be rewarded. I think that ends up teaching people to exploit instead of explore in a way, right? So you're trying to look for ways to exploit a situation to get those incremental benefits just just to get a positive result you're trying to exploit to get a positive result because the only thing that's been rewarded throughout like school life a lot of society relationship whatever and it's it it kind of detracts from the value of raw honest authentic experimentation for the sake of it right Mm -hmm. because if you're truly doing the experiment you're truly exploring the outcome is the outcome right? You don't care. You're not invested in the outcome. You just want to know if whatever you think is going to happen holds up, right? Yeah. And if you're afraid of the outcome, you don't actually want to run that experiment anymore because you're not, you don't you care yeah. if it holds up or not, right? Or yeah. if you're really serious about making progress, you have to be okay finding the Achilles heels. You have to try really hard to do so. It's the only way that, that makes sure the strongest survive through that process. Yeah, so no one, there's a, uh, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, it's, it's the idea of like desiring to get it right, not to be right. Right. right? It's like we want to, at in the end of the day, find out what the right answer is, not have what your current belief is be the right answer because it's what you believe. It's just what you've attached yourself to that answer. Mm-hmm. So that's what you think is right. It's not about being right. At the end of the day, it's about finding the truth and the truth the right answer yeah. despite what you your free your current beliefs are and your current biases fall yes so it's like the totally you set that aside and pursue the truth for the sake of the truth and for the sake of that growth that it brings not necessarily right yeah how you feel about it exactly exactly i think too it's this whole thing is kind of perpetuated by pervasive sentiments like i, I don't know if you've heard this Pioneers get slaughtered, settlers prosper. If you said something you're familiar with, no, yeah, this is a pretty common thing in, in in business. I think where the idea is like, well, if you innovate or you are a pioneer or something, you probably make the first like minimum viable product oh, of something new, right? So it's not super high impact, but it opens the door for other people to come and exploit it for those incremental gains from that. But it, yeah. it completely 
takes away a lot of the value created from that exponential pioneering leap, right? Yeah. So, like to an extent, to an extent, I think it's. I I get it. It is true, and it just depends on what your goal is. If your goal is just to succeed on paper, that's fine. But if your goal is actually to make an impact, then I think it's it's that can actually be a damaging sentiment. That's it's it's so pervasive though. But all it does is just serve to perpetuate the safety of incremental growth at the cost of exponential progress. Yeah. And it, well, I mean, a good example of that, I guess, is like something like a company like Apple, right? Where it's like everybody thinks about them. It's like, oh, they pioneered that personal computer, but it's like, no. But now what did they, they do now? They didn't invent that. First, they didn't, they didn't invent that. Somebody else did. I, I don't even know who did, but that's probably because it's an unknown person. Exactly. So like somebody invented the thing, somebody pioneered that thing, did that exponential leap that you're talking about. Another companies came in with, the resources to like, I guess, to your point of like, I guess, exploit that, that opening or just kind of take that run with it. But I guess it is sometimes those original idea makers that sometimes don't necessarily always get credit for mm-hmm. pioneering that new space. Yeah. I mean, it, it's almost like the second person in. Yeah. A lot, a lot of times it's just not as useful, unfortunately, if you just have yeah. that the base working version, whatever, it's really good sure. for people that make that usable, for the ones that provide a lot of the value that they get reciprocated from. Can they can integrate it back into like the temperature, yes, better. 100%, yeah. So it, it's just, I don't think the perspective is wrong. I just don't think it should be held and celebrated as truth as much because I can't remember who had, was talking about this or had this idea should probably prep some of these things a little more, but this idea of if you have the ability, the intellect, the capability, whatever, to pursue like a noble goal, like go on a noble quest, like you have the responsibility to almost because who else is going to? Like if not you, if not you with all your abilities are going to go on those noble quests and achieve those high impact moonshot goals, like who else is going to do that? Who else is going to drive society forward? You know? Yeah, definitely. But I guess I get the funny devil's advocate too is like, I don't necessarily know that we want to like discourage incremental growth either because no, absolutely. at the end of the day, like growth is growth, right? And you're still moving in a positive direction. It's positioning for some. So you need incremental growth sometimes to get yourself in a position to where exponential growth makes sense. You can't always exponentially grow. It's not sustainable. It's just not right. So that's why I would say, like, I don't want to like completely condemn that sentiment, but I also just don't want to hold that sentiment as truth because it's, it's, it's the same thing that we always talked about. It's just a, another spectrum. It's just another dichotomy to be managed. You know, it's like, you got to have the incremental sometimes, but then you also got to be able to go on the noble quest to achieve like the massive upside from genuine exploration. Yeah. Right. Or, and, and this is the, there's so, there's so much to talk about this too. Like a lot of people talk about first principle thinking, right? And like, what is that going to mean? You know, like first principle thinking, like my, my interpretation of that is, is just going from the, these like basic principles. It's kind of in the name, right? Yeah. But we're really being, um, intentional about 
under like making sure that there's a principle backing up the decisions that you make right and something that is tested and tried and true as like a base principle whether that be like a mathematical principle a physics principle a business principle a life principle philosopher whatever there's something that you can track to and say hey i'm making this decision because of this principle and this decision maximizes alignment with that principle that is that um would you say that's a pretty fair explanation of like first principle thinking yeah yeah i think so okay okay so the the reason i bring that up is i promise this is gonna make sense it's um connecting you know that the terms are like the, the saying like talent hits a target that no one else can hit where genius hits a target that no one else can see yeah i love that yeah so this is kind of what we're talking about where like talent is something that would be like a settler like they're just the incremental growth they're just consistently succeed right genius is something that no one can see yet right and that's what makes it these exponential growth because you're not just going for 10 percent growth you're going for 10 times growth because you think that way you fundamentally have to reinvent the wheel you fundamentally have to start over because it's not going to work to just make these incremental changes to achieve a 10x result right you have to yeah. be more creative with it right and uh, i look at talent succeeding because of first principle thinking genius is it is really this idea of like zero principle thinking where you're so, generating your own principles yeah you're generating your own way you're carving your own yeah. path to not just hit a target no one could see but maybe create yeah. a target maybe you're going to make a target that no one even knew could be hit and then you make it and then you hit it you know so yeah. that's kind of like from a more fundamentally radically creative perspective i'd say that that's how i would interpret like a zeroth principle thinking there hopefully they kind of all tied it all together <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely think like there, when you approach a problem in general or anything like that, it's like there is, in my opinion, always more than one solution or always more than one way to get sleep. Like there's always, always another way. There's always another way. And you just have to fight, right? And so it's like if you're up against a wall and you in your decision making and it's like you tried different potential solutions and it's just like nothing's working, nothing's working, nothing's working, there you you how do you pull on that sort of zero with principle thinking of like okay how can i zoom out change my angle zoom back in so i approach a problem from a different perspective and i think that's where and having other skills to pull on having other perspectives to lean on is very very useful because now you have different lenses to try you have different yeah. things to look through you have like another angle I now can see something I didn't see before. I can see it in a new light, and I now I can create another solution that that previously didn't exist in my current mm-hmm. worldview. You shift that, and you can see through. Okay, this actually looks a little different from this angle. Let me try this. And then I'm like, absolutely, we're being able to do that is so useful. Yeah, have, having those different dots to connect, and this is why having that kind of like broad expertise is so important. Like. You know, because you could even make, have as simple as like, oh, the target that no one can see is just around a corner. But what if I could shift my perspective to now see around that corner? And now it's an easy target. But you wouldn't yeah. be able to do that unless you had those connections to make to that perspective from where you are. And that is a very, very core aspect of creative genius is being able to connect those dots in interesting and new ways. Yeah. I love that. I love that. For sure, man. 
So what are some of the other things that you guys have done now that the, the uh, I guess trip that, thing is over? Yeah. <laughs> I just saw the wall. Like, sounds cool. No, it's, 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 it was, it's been super great. Um, I mean, that's pretty much been it in terms of tracking like kind of day by day up until now. Um, another thing that was actually super, um, awesome during the retreat as well was they had a whole like podcast set up kind of set up as well. So they were doing a ton of just recordings, like content for like virtual discomfort adventures, like RDA as a brand itself, like just having a bunch of content for them to start putting them out and start building their brand. And then I was also able to have some really good conversations that are kind of, I guess, joint content, right? So like those are our pieces of content that will be on, on better than bugs and pieces of content that will be also with RDA as well, because there's, there's, there's honestly so much overlap, like, at, at the end of the day, like we're really talking about a lot of the same kind of things. And I was actually super impressed with how deep some of these guys think and you would just never know. And I think yeah. that's another awesome. lesson to be learned is you never know what source you're going to learn some mad thing from. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So it was really cool to have those, that setup. So, you know, every once in a while you could just say like, Hey, you let's go do a podcast. And you go up there, you just start talking and it just gets deep. She just start talking about like crazy stuff. Yeah, so there, there's a couple of really good pieces of content I'm really excited to share with you guys from that as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. So that's dope. Yeah. No, it's 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 honestly been been super great. How much longer are you gonna be out there for? Mm. I'm gonna be out kind of in the Pretoria Joburg, northern South Africa part for South. North South, yeah. Um <laughs> probably close to another week or so and then i'm going to be going to cape town for a little bit of time there as well so move there um hopefully i have some people that i can link up with in cape town they can show me the ropes out there see what that's all about just all part of the adventure you know like just kind of not knowing exactly what you're going to do or how it's going to happen is sometimes i think it's important to kind of pull back to that space like as, as important as it is to have a plan it's also important to have the principles to be able to course correct and just move it right so like right now I don't, it's almost yeah. like i don't really care if i'm doing the plan or doing the quote-unquote correct right thing i'm moving i'm I have a trajectory and and it's it and now i can course correct you know because if you if you wait on this idea of clarity to be decisive like i have to have clarity before i can be decisive which it's fair because clarity acts as a decision filter for the decisions that you want to make that is yes. aligned with that North star. But if you wait for clarity before you start deciding, it's, it's very difficult because you're, you're, you're stuck there, right? Yeah. You're, you're not moving. So you're basically, if you vectorize that, it's a zero vectors, there's nothing there. But if you start moving, even if you just start making decisions without clarity, you have a course that you are then able to correct. Yeah. So no. I, I think it's just kind of managing the dichotomy that I've been stuck a lot in trying to prioritize clarity at the expense of decisive decisiveness whereas now mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying out managing balancing it back up to like maybe being more decisive and then finding the clarity that comes from that you know where so it's just i i think i think that's one of the bigger takeaways i've had from this experience from this trip and hopefully um well, i'm really excited to just apply that in other areas of my life as well that's awesome um i think because i've struggled with so other things of it's rough analysis by analysis you know and just really trying to optimize before going into the thing and it's like i've started to realize that you can only be fully prepared for something 
if you've already done it. Mm. Mm. And since you haven't done it, you, you can't even accept for it. Yeah, you can't right. even expect it. So why are you problem it? Psychic. Like you can't just know how to do something having never done it before. And so the only person who's going to prepare to do something is somebody who's already done it. And so in order to gain that preparedness, you need to do it. So it's kind of this paradox a little bit, but the only way to, you know, fully comprehend and understand something and have that clarity that you said is to that is to do something, you know, and by then doing it, you start to gain a little more perspective on, okay, what's actually required to make this thing work. And then you can adjust it based on the new information, the new data that you've gathered mm -hmm. and I believe forward, right? It's, it's much easier to change direction to moving than it stands. Exactly. And so no, that's, that's very you true. have to be able to overcome that anxiety that we talked about earlier of starting to be the buffalo. So yeah, <laughs> the best way to get into something more is like start by starting. Like that's the secret. Start by starting. Say, see what happens at death. Iterate calories. So what would you say? Because I know a lot a lot of that is um does come from like making decisions out of fear for a number of reasons, like fear of making the wrong decision, fear of it not working out, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Mm -hmm. Which is from a first principles perspective, I don't think a very practical or effective thing to do. Like I started to be pretty um pretty adherent, pretty intense about making like, you know that principle like i don't make this mm -hmm. therefore fear becomes a compass like if i know that i oops this this is that decision this decision is made out of fear i can't do it right I, i've been pretty ruthless with that or that principle i think and mm -hmm. i want to continue to be but even then like there's still a struggle that comes with clarity like let's say you've gotten past the fear you've gotten past the thing like you know like hey i'm okay with this discomfort i'm okay with the uncertainty i know that no matter what I do, I'm going to give my all and as a highlight, we could all succeed because of my self-belief. So the problem with that though, that I found with a high level of self-belief, I can do anything, but that also opens up every single opportunity in the world to, to what I have, to have access to. Right. So now it's not paralysis by, or now paralysis by over analysis, but it's like paralysis by overabundance of opportunities. And now this overthinking. Yeah. To the opportunity cost of one versus the other, too many options, right? Mm -hmm. So, how how do then does one find clarity through that? Do you just pick a random direction and start moving, or is there some kind of way to kind of filter those out? That is re question, isn't it? I'm so visually asking. Well, I I also am curious to see what I'm about to say to this because I would mm -hmm. love. Oh, I think, I think you can look at it two ways. Like I think, I think you can do some sort of work on the front end to kind of create some level of filter to at least narrow down your decisions that you're prioritizing at least. So like a, like a, like a criteria, like, Hey, I want this experience. Yes. yes. And you have like a list of criteria of that. Okay. Yes. Uh, a list of criteria or like filters, like when you go on or like, you know, on a, on a website or, or Google search or something like that. And you, you search for something. There's like an infinite amount of results, basically. But you can filter, right? Mm -hmm. By like, let's say, I want to buy a used car. Boom, go. Okay, used cars come up. All the used cars in the world pop up. And so you have all those options. What the heck do I live for? Where you're like, okay, well, let me think about what I'm actually looking for. Well, 
I have a family, so I know I'm going to want something with four doors. Okay. That's a gentle boom. Now it's all the four door cars in the world. Still. Well, I don't really want to travel to pick up my car. So, you know, I'm going to put it to like a hundred miles within my location. Significantly narrows it down. Still a ton of cars, but it's like, you kind of, you need a four door car anymore, travel very far. It's like, now you at least have a smaller base of options. Still potentially a welling, but smaller than infant, right? So it's like, what can you do to sort of start to filter the opportunities you're faced with in terms of what is it that I'm actually looking for or which one of these mm-hmm. can actually serve that the best? And mm-hmm. I guess the most efficient time frame as well. So it's like prioritizing options in like I think and then, yeah, yeah self-awareness is an incredibly large piece of this. Because you have to know what criteria you're looking for. You have to know what kind of person you are. You have to know what experiences you want to have. And I guess just in terms of like business, there there's kind of a few different like paths and understanding like which type, which box you fit in, whatever, is um it can be important. Again, this is just a, a spectrum. These just kind of the points of like yeah. On one hand, you have the quote unquote artist. Right, where they're just in love with the craft, the actual product that becomes their business, right? Because that's what gives us fulfillment. The actual problem that they're solving becomes like that's what they're passionate about. Right. On the other end of the spectrum is just like the business centered entrepreneur. Doesn't matter what they're doing, they're just in love with the business side of it. Right. They're they're just right. in love with the process of that. And they can apply that to literally anything. They don't care if they're selling like like yeah, no, handheld electric fans or like a curtains for bathrooms or what you know what it does not matter they could be selling roulas for all i care they don't care either because they're just involved with the business side of it right and then obviously those are kind of two ends of a spectrum you got to figure out kind of where you are to kind of understand does the art side matter which in that case, I think you have to have a, a very deep level of self-awareness to understand which problem you're here to solve, what that kind of higher level purpose is, and yeah. what you're creating. Where if you're more towards the entrepreneurial side, I think it's it can be useful to find, well, if you are a good entrepreneur and you speak any work, find where the money is, you know, find the highest leverage opportunity, you know, yeah. and that can also act as the method to kind of help yeah. that out, you know, so... On one end is like find what you're naturally drawn to. On one end is find what the highest leverage opportunity is. And I think there's a nice happy middle ground that still can have a lot of options in it, but it can at least narrow it down a little bit to, oh, here's some things that I enjoy creating, solve problems I'm passionate about, has a high impact, but also has a high leverage of the upside opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. You know, And then from there, then you can start at least moving a little bit tiny little steps at a, at a time and then start course correcting towards something that's your purpose and whether that's as a pioneer whether it's as a settler doesn't matter because either way if you believe you'll get if you believe you'll prosper you will yeah and on the same token i guess like the art side versus the entrepreneurial side it's like entrepreneurship business is their part mm-hmm. it's fun there's no difference these are just labels to kind of illustrate the yeah and they, that's something that they, that at the end of the day, like that's something that fires them off and they're like they're excited to get out of bed in the morning. Totally. So the whole spectrum is just your like alignment spectrum, right? Yeah. It's, it's your creative alignment. Yeah. And so it's like, if there's, 
something in this world that fires you up probably should go and score. It probably should go and get right. And then if there's something that fires you up that like solves a problem in the world, mm-hmm. even better. Now mm-hmm. you can be on a mission. You know what I mean? And then if there's something that fires you up, solves a problem that like you can also get paid for, if chances are it solves somebody's problem, they'll pay for it. And then it's like you start to just layer on filters, right? Of like back to the eating guide. What you love is literally exactly what you just described. What you have the skills for, what you can get paid for, what the world needs, all that stuff. It's like literally, mm-hmm. it's all, it all talks about the same thing. So it's like the other way I, I talked about, like, okay, first sit down and try to find some filters to narrow it down. Not to narrow down a decision, but to to, to narrow down the trajectory. That you don't want to be too trajectory, it was too wide. You want a more cheap trajectory, but you don't have to have a straight line either. Mm-hmm. Right? It's time mm-hmm. want a direction. And so once you have a direction and trajectory, that's the time you need to start going. So it's like mm-hmm. something, one of those things that you are passionate about, you go try it. Because again, here we go again, start by start. The only thing we are going to know if that's actually for you is to go experience it yourself, see what the day in, day out of it is like, and then start to think about, is this something I could see myself doing long term? Like, okay, great. Cool. Keep going until it doesn't. And then ship, try something else. Ship, try something else. Like, especially with young, but at any point, really. Like, so how do you know out? So it's just when to shift? Yeah, no, it's 100% right. But when you start you know getting like to shift? fired up about it, when something stops totally firing you up, like, yeah, I think when it's not firing you up, or, or, when it's not firing you up, because this is a dangerous slope, too, of like, don't just chase things that are exciting. It's not the best thing. It's like, because there's lots of things that are exciting. But not, they're not all necessarily fulfilling or like mm-hmm. something that you should be doing as like your vocation through life per se. But it's like, I think that is a criteria that most people don't really put it up priority on. But people will be a lot happier and more fulfilled if they did. I think fulfillment leaves clues as well. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a very simple thing, and because yeah, it, it can be overwhelming to think about these things sometimes, like, oh, am I passionate about this or is this just actually just a shiny object syndrome do i like am i losing passion for this am i not fired up or am i just being lazy and it's like for one if the fact that you're asking those questions probably means you're not just like lazy like you're actually kind of trying to find the truth in the matter mm-hmm. but i think it can also be as simple as something like you know if you're not tired when you go to bed and you're not excited when you wake up it's time to change Neither. Yeah. And it, that's just a very, very simple thing because you can you can try to complicate it more, but any way you extend it, that's kind of what it results in because being tired when you go to bed and being excited when you wake up imply that you're living a fulfilled, purpose-filled life in alignment with your full potential and your purpose, right? Your ikigai. Like that's kind of the, the, the necessary result. Like if you are living in your line with your purpose, you're going to be tired at the end of the day and you're going to be excited when you wake up. If you're not, you probably won't be. Mm-hmm. right like you you won't so you know prioritizing those things as kind of like this because it's hard to like tangibly know day to day sometimes if if what you're doing is the right thing to do or if it's the right decision to make but having those kind of like tangible checks that imply that you're on the right path or at least tend no. towards it can be super important like you know just Check and shot like, do I want to get out of bed today? 
If not, why not? And it leads you at least to open the discussion with yourself. Yeah. To know why that's happening. So yeah. you can then address the problem. And then therefore you're not worried about it because you're headed right into the store by addressing the problem, yeah. basically. Bottom thumbs back. Totally. And I mean, at the end of the day, like, you're, you're not going to be fired up every single day. Even if you're doing the best thing, probably. You're, just gonna, you're not going to be all this I think something we'll consider too is that like you can develop like passion and stuff that buys you up because a lot of stuff is hard to land below. What fires people up a lot of the time just things that they're doing there. And that takes practice, right? You have to develop the skills to be good at something. And sometimes you can, because a lot of people like face the problem like, yeah, nothing fired me up. It's like two things. Like one, we'll inquire of a chart of their thing. And mm-hmm. two, you're just not good enough at any skill to like have the proficiency to develop that passion, yeah. To have it enjoyable, right? And so it's like develop skills. It's it's a it's a double blend actually, yeah. Develop broad range of skill sets so that you can you can be good at you can start to get good at multiple things. So you start to kind of enjoy multiple things, and then you can start to feel out like which one of those things actually really start to fire you up. And <laughs> fire up doesn't to me doesn't just mean excited with like. It just, it means I'm excited about it. It makes me happy and I enjoy doing it, but also like it feels purposeful. Like, it, it feels like I'm working for something bigger. And I think, I think a better term for that because yeah, fired up is like to pep rally. Yeah, I get fired yeah. up for go cheap. It's like, all right, whatever, shut up. But I think a more <laughs> directed way to do it is, is it to think in terms of obsession and intensity. I think, I think those, those are kind of like two concepts that I've been thinking a lot about as, as well with like clarity and there's like, there's kind of like an interplay between all of them, but it's kind of the feedback loop too with like, if you're obsessed with something, you're probably going to get good at it and having a high skill in it means you're going to be more obsessed with it and they kind of build and feed off of each other. You kind of mm-hmm. need that little bit of duality going. Totally. And through that is this, this process of getting fired up, but it's this internal intensity of how you approach things and, and oftentimes that's really the deciding factor between like good and great or even mediocre and great is the level of intensity that you're willing to put towards something like if you're able to crank your intensity in to 12 you can make anything work i promise you that right and you can only do that if you're obsessed with that thing mm-hmm. so so like right exploring those kind of things exploring multiple different options, finding obsession and chasing obsession and what feeds you energy as the goal. Yeah. I think that's, that's some, that's kind of the direction that I'm planning slash M taking that I think I've neglected to a pretty decent degree over, over you know, the last like six months or so. Yeah. So another thing that kind of helps me with this is like, if there's something that interests you and if you can get into something you want to pursue, like pray out for like 40 years. Like if you were doing this thing now for the next 40 years, what would that, what do you think that would look like? What do you, where do you think you'd be? Where do you think you'd be able to achieve? Like, and it doesn't have to be super detailed because like, I'm not going to keep it in. Like, where do you see yourself? A five years question. No, super but, true, but it's, it's, it's shifting your time frames. Yeah. It's like play it out. And one, you still think you're going to enjoy what you're doing for years. You're torn with this, you know, right? in the future. Do you still think you're going to be enjoying this? And then two, 
what do you think you will have accomplished? Do you think you will have, what kind of an impact do you think you will have made? And then will you be proud of yourself? And it's like, is that something that seems worth spending 40 years doing? Or at the end of it, you think you will have wasted 40 years? You think you will have invested 40 years or wasted 40 years? So it's like, you know, again, it's hard to tell because we're not psychic. It's what you're going to have to just take action, try it, see it happen, and you keep rolling. Well, sure. It's yeah. like, but, you know, that's another potential thing you start, another frame to reference it in. Mm-hmm. And that's actually very related with like another one. I've heard a few people talk about, I think it's actually like Naval Ravikant has also talked about. It's like, you want to like use regret minimization as a decision filter. Mm. So oftentimes you don't regret the things that you do, you regret the things that you don't do. So from the perspective of, hey, how do I minimize regret? You have to have a bias towards action. Like that's kind of just it. You know, it's like you have to make decisions not based off on a fear, and you're going to have to make decisions based on how much you would regret it if you didn't make that decision. Right. And then if you keep making decisions that minimize regret, like I find it very unreasonable that you would live a fantastic, fulfilled, happy, impactful, legendary life. <laughs> just not going to happen, yeah. right? So, so being adventurous is the only way to have adventures, basically. Yeah. That's kind of what that really comes down to. And, and then kind of further on that note, I was just thinking like, you don't have adventures. Like adventures are not had, adventures are made. It is a very active experience, right? And that's mm-hmm. something that I have fully come to realize by like where I am, like in South Africa. Like that's that's kind of stupid. Like why am I here? You know, because I made the decision to make an adventure out of it. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's that's awesome. It's, you know, adventures happen to adventurous people. That just yeah, it's what they do. Make yourself into the person that can achieve what you want to achieve, and that's both in yourself and in the milking. That's that's what leads. Yeah, I think the other thing too is, I think a lot of people are, is that F word again here, right? It's like, people are afraid of making a goals to be, because I think they're told to have realistic goals and be realistic with themselves. And I think that realisticness is just misplaced. I think... People need to be realistic in the sense that make your goals huge, like to the moon, but be realistic with yourself and ask yourself, is this something that I actually want or is it something that I think I should want? Yeah. Just because making big goals, because just because Tony Robbins told you to make a big goal does not mean it's in alignment with your true self. hundred percent. Right. And a lot of the time, another thing will on that, like being reasonable is a very individualized state, right? I think that that's the thing that people don't really understand is like being reasonable is unreasonable for me, right? So being reasonable to who? <laughs> like there's a ton of things that I've done that other people would think are incredibly ir- unreasonable, but to me, they're the most reasonable, like being traditionally reasonable is oftentimes more unreasonable than just being traditionally unreasonable. <laughs> so it's a very individualized thing. And it's, it's a, it, I think it's a mistake to put these, these, these labels on, on things and, and making, making everything have to apply to everyone the same way. 
Exactly. And that's just it. It's like, it's finding everything to everyone the same way. It's like, be reasonable to yourself. And again, like I just said, it's ask yourself two years. Is it something yeah. that you actually want? Or is it something that you think you should want based on societal norms, what other people are telling me you should mm-hmm. want or what's going to be the best for you? It's like you're living out Everyone someone you'll tell you. Dream. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's just not a productive way to go about it. If you are looking for something that's actually going to be fulfilling. Well, it's a lot of it is, is, is like you said, fear-based driven, fear-based and ego-driven, right? Because like a lot of people will tell you like, oh, I want to change the world. And you're like, great, that's awesome. What do you want to change about it? And they don't know. Uh, uh, well, we have this problem. It's like, oh, so you don't actually want to change the world. You just want to be known as the person who changed the world. You know? And that's a very different kind of desire, right? And and I'm not saying this bad because at some level there is a, a some kind of a sense of like, hey, I want to change the world to someone. I don't know how it is, but I know I have the capability to and therefore the responsibility to, so I want to change the world. But coming at it from that level of self-awareness and knowing where you're at is where people kind of get mixed up, right? No. And not to say one is better than the other, but understanding and clarifying like that those are different desires of like wanting to be known as someone who changed the world and actually wanting to solve a real problem. Those are the difference. One might lead to the clarity of another, but they're not the same thing. No. And thinking they are will kind of get you stuck in this this dissonance. Because you think you're doing one thing, but you're actually doing another, right? Um, so having that clarity and self-awareness is, is incredibly important for these kinds of issues. Yeah. And I kind of bring me to full circle back to what you said at the beginning of, um, like not putting yourself in situations where you're then having a negative outcome. It's like only chasing mm-hmm. positive outcomes where it's like, if you never encounter things with negative outcomes, you never put yourself in situations that involve negative outcomes. Like, how are you ever going to see the problems in the world that you're solving? Mm. Mm. It's like, exactly. It's, it's all how you reframe it. Because now it's not a negative outcome. Now it's like, wow, I'm really grateful for that because now I found a problem I want to solve. Exactly. Because that's still stopped. Yeah. So I want to now solve the problem. Yeah. And that's a big step into the direction of like finding out what you want to do when you want to pursue it. Like, just as then you can be grateful for it. And gratitude like kind of transcends this duality of positive, negative, good or bad. It's just, it is, it just is. It's this conglomeration of all of it, progressing growth. You talk to any like really successful people, or I guess the majority of successful people and the quote unquote big turning points in their life are almost always something negative. Like it's almost never like, oh, I won the lottery. You'll, yeah. And then my life changed. always know <laughs> I lost everything and I had, and then I had to change. Right, and it's like it forces you to grow as a person and change and become something different rather than that's, that's it. It's like your circumstances just change, you get changed. Your circumstances are nothing more than a reflection of your internal inter- your internal state. So if you have to change, by definition, everything will change around you. Yeah. We're not blind. It was in depth. That's the focus. Where it was you. As long as you're working on yourself and building you and growing there, and it's like you're you're always more ready for the opportunities when they fit up themselves. Absolutely. Oh, if you don't know what to do in the meantime while you're figuring it out, at least develop yourself in some way. It better absolutely somehow. It'll make sense. Like the dust will connect for sure. You'll always going to use yeah. that those skills in some way. Then you'll be grateful. Like, well, thank goodness I 
learn that thing back in the day because you'll find a good use for it. Might take 10, yeah, might take 20, but it'll all come right. in the full circle for sure. Where are the ones there? It's above his eyes, so. First one. Anyways. All right, man. The time zone's pretty whack. I don't know what time it is yeah. for you, but it's past midnight here. <laughs> well, I got a full after me and left. Boom. Good job, guys, for you. All right. All right. Some sleep. Gotta go. All right. Nighty night. <laughs>